Welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy. With me always is my co-host, John Gillen. How are you, John? I'm doing well. Always here. Surviving. <laughs> doing the thing. You are here more than I am. I don't think we've ever had a podcast where it has just been. Um, so, you know, just been me and somebody else. I think it's mostly just been you and me or sometimes you and Maddie. So yeah, <laughs> it's what, what your 52nd episodes. It's probably like my, I don't know, seventh. I don't know. I've lost track. Um, so <laughs> feels like a while since we've done this. Thank you. Hello, everybody who has joined us since our, um, our lovely Philip Joyce episode. Really nice feedback on that. And thanks to Phil for the shares. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that and kind of got me back into the whole interviewing mood as well. Um, it's what, you know, I get for having such lovely hosts, lovely guests on. Um, John, how's all in beautiful Colorado? It's still here. It hasn't gone anywhere. So that's... Phew, <laughs> massive yeah, relief. Yeah, that's that's always a plus. You know, if, if Yellowstone were ever to blow up, Colorado would definitely be gone as well, or at least covered in like eight feet of ash. So yeah, well, if that hasn't John, happened, I'm no, here. It's sunny. It's great. And if 2012, the movie with John Cusack has taught us anything, you can outrun that sucker in a massive uh, beat-up camper van with Woody Harrelson screaming at you. Um, so, you know. You can outrun but this, anything if you have Woody Harrelson screaming at you. That's it, yeah. So, but this isn't a Roland Emmerich disaster movie podcast. This is a guitar podcast. So we're going to start off with, John, you have a lick of the week, um, which I'm notoriously bad at guessing the, the origins or players or um, even the decades yeah, sometimes. You know, to be fair, I think we both are. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're both not very good at this, but I, that's kind of what keeps it fresh. I think it would be much worse content because we just need content um, if we were both too good at this because it would make the, our... The listeners. almighty content. That's it. Okay. okay. I'm locked. I'm locked. I'm loaded. I'm ready to go. I'm going to listen right now. to that again right away good god what is that um it's not kirk hammett if you were thinking the one <laughs> no the wah is the wah is way too tasteful for kirk hammett sorry kirk we know you listen no you don't um yeah that is that's really that's that's got a groove to it man i really like that um sometimes with the steve vai stuff or whatever you know the previous licks i'm like you know i could kind of in terms of personal enjoyment i could kind of take or leave them but that that is a bop and a half um normally i go by snare tone but i can't i want to say like it's like i got this mid to late 90s snare drum on it but i thought wow it is um, late 90s it is is it yes 90s. yes <laughs> take that decades <laughs> take that other decades um tamagotchis pugs uh, i am thinking oh god i, I just don't know that Elf is like pugs. that was Alphogs. Um, do you want to enlighten me? Is it Surf? surf what's is, is it Steve Stevens again? No, is this is a troll. <laughs> not yet, not yet. We'll bring on Steve Stevens again for another time. But yeah, no, this is Dream Theater. So John, ah, oh, but yeah. it's in, but it's in like a standard time signature. I was trying well, to count it there. Th this part of the song is just wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what is the song? What is the, the album? The, the album is Metropolis Part 2. What is it? Scenes from a Memory. And this was one of their concept albums, you know, because they're a prog band. It's what they do. But this came out in 1999. And this was still when they had, speaking of Groove, this was still when they had Mark, Mike Portnoy. Ooh. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, have you ever seen those drummer auditions when they like held those auditions to replace him? Some of the people they had on there, man, like absolutely incredible. Like Virgil Donati was one of the people yeah. that they, they brought in. It just, it's mental. It's crazy to think that dream theater does not have Mike Portnoy in it since he was one of the founding people. But yeah, I know like you know, sacrilege apparently like yeah. that dude played like so intensely that he had to get massages like, like, like sports massages every week. Wow. Um, that I can't believe that about the whole band, to be honest. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a lot going on, a lot going on there. Sweet as. So, um, we have no gear talk this week because, you know, we're both a little bit sick of it. What are we going to talk about? Strings or plectrums? We, I think we might actually have done that before. We, we've so, done um, those before. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, we're running out of gear here. Um, we're running out of NAM shit to complain about. Um, oh no, a Rivers Cuomo signature strat. No, um, so uh, we're talking about a very common topic because uh, we're all about that content, which is basically musical plagiarism right now and what constitutes it and some hot topics. So I suppose the big thing that's across all the guitar forums and general rock forums is um, Greta Van Fleet. So... Right. <clears throat> mm, <laughs> so this is this is this is an interesting topic. I, I don't know. Do you do you want to tee off on it first, or shall I? I'd be happy to. Um, so I Greta Van Fleet friends, if you haven't heard it, are a band that, as far as I know, I'm going to double check, have not released an album yet, only an EP or two. Um, but they have been doing the live circuit. I, I, for I quite think a while. I think they I think they've got an album that's coming out this year. So oh, they just. Already, oh, wait, no, yeah. they do have an album. Yeah, they had a yeah, few. It's called From the Fires. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're um, a four piece. Uh, I'm not entirely yeah. sure where they're from. Um, Detroit. Detroit. Okay. Well, the Detroit well, area, I should say. So, they're, cool. they're from Michigan. They've got uh, three of them are brothers. And then they've got another guy that they just picked up off the street to play drums. Cool. The so. Kings of Leon effect. <laughs> um, great. Uh, yeah, they, I, I was kind of, I follow this guy named Jason Flom, who's this record producer on Instagram, and he was raving about them for so long. They were in every mm. photo of his, and I think he is like a backer of them. Um, so basically, it's kind of ignited this idea that these guys are like not saving rock and roll, but bringing it back to the good old days, yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's more apt. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, so it, basically, the whole, the biggest comment that you'll find is something along the lines uh, is Diet Zeppelin, which I think is a kind of a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, so this comes back to like influence by versus straight up goddamn plagiarism. And personally, I'm, they recently did, sorry, I, they recently did a live performance. It might have been on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or one of the Jimmys. And it was just like, the singer was doing the little the the hand that was perched to the right, the plantian thing. There was like there was waistcoats. There was it's uh, so seventies looking. I mean, they, they've got the tiny little like colored glasses and yeah, yeah. Uh, not a shirt uh, between them. Yeah, 
yeah if you look at most of the music videos like that's it, it, it they even sort of pose and strut like led zeppelin so i feel like whoever's whoever is marketing them is very consciously pushing this robert plant has said he enjoys them you know so there's there's a lot of a lot of push to market them as the new zeppelin yeah and i think from a marketing perspective that's really smart because hmm. you're this is dad rock who actually buy music these days dads like yeah. older the older generation will actually pay for music these days and we'll we'll shill out for the itunes or even the cds to, yeah. to play in their pickup and it's just this i'm a dad idea so that's yeah, i know you're a dad but you're a cool dad man <laughs> We've got a cool haircut. Dad rock. <laughs> that's all right. Um, that's that's very much forgiven here. But I think it's kind of from I that don't. perspective. I don't listen. To yeah. Or or is I being a dad forgiven? What? No. <laughs> We're not getting into parenthood here. Save that for our parenthood podcast. Sharpen that child. Um, so let's. <laughs> so, where, where are we going where, where are we going here? All right. Greta Van Fleet I'm not a fan it's just way too derivative and there isn't mm. an original thing about it and I think that it is a it's going to sink like a balloon within no pun intended very much intended within the next year or so I think it's um, it's, it's an interesting thing to watch because I've noticed um, two reactions you have you have the same guys who are pissing and moaning about whether about there's no good rock out there and then these guys come out and they're like well they just sound like led zeppelin so clearly there's no pleasing some people like these people that desperately want to return to jimmy page and robert plant plant get exactly that and then yeah complain that it's jimmy page and robert plant so some people there's no pleasing for there isn't yeah um, especially I, I deal with white men in their you know late 40s 50s on the phone every day and they're just the worst <laughs> fucking worst so i you know i i just i don't know but this brings us back to what is like plagiarism and um, like what is like can you think of when you think of like musical particularly guitar based because of our podcast um niche right. uh plagiarism are there any like glaring things that you know spring to mind um I mean, other than other than this band at the moment, I think there there's blatant plagiarism, not so much. But you had bands like The Strokes that were callbacks to earlier yeah. things, like the sound, the the way they yeah. played their riffs were, but that they were much more Zeppelin inspired. Where this just, I suppose you could call it inspired, but it's derivative is is a better word. Like if, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of and they've admitted to it to a certain extent. The guitar player has said in some interviews, like he studied Robert Plant and Pete Townsend, or I mean Jimmy Page and Pete Townsend. Like, okay, that explains why you don't sound like anybody else other than Jimmy Page. <laughs> yeah, it's you it's know? it's a real thing, and like the Angus, you know, influence as well, right down to the SG. Like, it's you know, it's I there. Don't, I don't hear a whole lot of ACDC influence in them. No, I, I suppose not. But the thing is, like, friends of ours, you know, uh, Chris Zupa came out kind of defending it, basically complaining that people were kind of jealous and, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they're kind of taking a shot at the, you know, the, the older dudes as well who just like complaining. Yeah. So I, yeah, but I, I don't know when it comes to whole, the whole, uh, it's all, you know, where is the line between influence is kind of the big thing because you've got, you know, the older blues musicians, you know, who would have, inf- you know, influenced the British new wave 
of blues, you know, the blues mm. invasion, like Clapton. And, you know, then again, that was, you know, led to Hendrix. And like, you know, it's, it's all very, um, you know, art influencing art. I think when it's, when it's, you know, with Led Zeppelin, I think they took the old blues and they turned it into something completely different. Now we're not getting into a whole royalties discussion here because that is some murky stuff. Yeah. But the um, but when it comes to like they did something new, they made it into a big stage show. There was you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of effects used on their songs. They kind of got quite psychedelic and they you know embraced the time. But I don't know. Like there are a few riffs that some riffs that I just think are complete ripoffs of other riffs. You know, we all you know, um, it comes out all the. time time about uh music that just sounds directly like other music yeah and i mean there, there was there's that uh the marvin gay eddie sheer or ed sheeran <laughs> eddie van sheer <laughs> um lawsuit that's going on right now as well that actually marvin gay isn't involved in i don't i can't remember if we've talked about this i don't think we have it's it's his estate isn't it there his family are getting upset it's, it's actually uh ed townsend's estate which is being represented by some essentially copyright shark lawyers uh apparently they've done this sort of thing in the past and most of the time they get dismissed or they settle out of court for something small but it doesn't re- it doesn't even directly benefit ed townsend who was the co-writer ed townsend was the co-writer for marvin Gaye's let's get it on gotcha um, okay well Adam if you- Neely actually has a really great video on this that he titled you can't own chords so speaking of this because essentially the claim in this lawsuit is that nobody in the history of everything has ever written a one three what is it four five chord progression and so of course adam neely pulls out a piece by bach and he's like boom take it right there so it's it's happened before so it i i think looking at looking at music and saying that there really is nothing original. It's just how you steal it and repackage it. Very much so. And I, but I think with that as well, I think part of the fact from that is that the Marvin Gaye estate or like the, the writers of his songs have a little bit of history of, of suing people as well. Remember that blurred line song? Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, they won that and they won loads of money out of that. But I think there's a, there's a few things. My first uh, kind of, I remember like growing up and the first song that I heard was like, that sounds exactly like another song is um, one of my favorite bands growing up was the vines. Uh, there was mm-hmm. Australian kind of like post grunge and you know, pr- pretty good. You know, I wouldn't go back to it really these days, but they had a song called get free, which was, you know, everywhere on MTV two that summer. And uh, <laughs> then I heard, then I heard vertigo by U2, which is just like, I was like, how is everybody not hearing this? You know, the da 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 It was, it was just very much, and like, the first instance of me being like, that is just, that that annoys me. But at the same time, I mean, what is it? Um, Bread Fan by Budgie. You know, that, that they, Metallica covered it. Oh, they have a, yeah. That is just everywhere. Um, it's, it's a kind of a tough, because riffs are, you know, whatever. What did you think of the, um, did you hear about that Coldplay were being sued by, was it Joe Satriani? It was Joe Satriani. Yeah. They totally stole his melody. It was you know, very yeah. much. Yeah. Like I was like, really Coldplay Joe Satriani. Um, but it was very much kind of blatant, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was like, it was really easy to point to it and, and say, yeah, that's, that is exactly the same melody. And I think there's something different when it's a melody or a riff, you know, uh, of course, like under pressure and the vanilla ice thing. That's, that's different because those are defining 
components of the song. Whereas a chord yeah. progression, that's nope. sort of like saying, if I play B minor, A, G, D, Brian Adams is going to sue me because that's the, that's <laughs> the chorus for Summer of 69. It's also the chorus for Ed Sheeran's uh, Castle on a Hill. He just yeah. starts, he, I think he starts on the D, but it's the same loop of chords. So it ends yeah. up being the same thing. So These chords work, like in pop music, yeah. it's a fact, you can't use them. Right, exactly. So you can't claim that you own a chord progression, but I do think if there's, there's other particular elements, a melody, a particular riff, which mm. I hesitate to call a full-blown melody, or, but it, it is a phrase anyway, that, that I think you, you, you've got a question. But then, so bringing it full circle, <clears throat> I can't say I've necessarily heard anything from Greta Van Fleet where I would look at it and be like, that is exactly this Led Zeppelin song. Mm. Um, and I've got students that are into them that think yeah. they sound pretty cool. And it's fine. Uh, and if, it, if people are entertained by it, like it is what it is. I don't particularly yeah. care for them because like you, I find them just too derivative. Yeah, it's very on the nose. I, I think with me, if, if when it comes to this band, particularly, um, it, it's they're fine, but if you like them, you're wrong. And <laughs> like the Eagles? Is that it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very much so. Um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think we just solved the whole problem, John. I think everybody needs to listen to this. Riff's good. Chord's bad. You know, riff's, you know, copying riffs is bad copying chords is fine because have you ever seen the axis of awesome there are four chords you know yes yeah yeah so that's it just go back to that um which is which is great sweet um that was fun to talk about now let's talk about more guitar stuff guitar um so our guitar things so, so john i had the um, i'm gonna take all the credit for the bright idea of actually adding a guitar to our guitar podcast. It's true. Uh, because uh, we I talked, had to hook it up. So that's you did. <laughs> I'm so very sorry about that. Um, yeah. So, um, because the topic that we would like to talk about this week is scales and scales are a very um, divisive. It's a very divisive term. And uh, when it comes to the guitar world and what you need to know and what you should learn and, mm-hmm. you know, which scales go where and da, 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 da. And you probably um, have much more experience with scales, which is why you got foisted with the um, plugging in the guitar. Uh, there you go. Um, so we're not going to touch modes um, today just because, you know, we don't have. That's, that's a whole other thing. Right? It is. Yeah. yeah. We might get to it someday. Um, we talked about it briefly before. Uh, but yeah, so I suppose before we like actually like listen to what chord the scales sound like, um, what what is your thoughts on when it comes to teaching scales, or should we talk about um, scale basics that everyone should really know? Well, I, I think when you're teaching scales, there's a couple of things to just be aware of, and or as a student uh, when you're learning and practicing your scales, the mm-hmm. thing is, is the guitar can be really complicated to figure out where all the notes are on the fretboard. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you play a G there on the first string, um, third fret, there's at least four, if not five other ways to play it, depending upon how many frets you have and how easily you can play things on your guitar. Even mm-hmm. six, um, if you're willing to bend some notes. But the point being, that can complicate how you play your scales. Okay. So, I think it's easy to break these scales up into shapes and these shapes essentially by what I mean by that is fingerings. 
most people would already know a few, probably like a minor pentatonic scale. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you at least know that much. Um, most people learn their open C major scale. Mm -hmm. Like that was the first thing your guitar teacher showed you or something. And do you think that is the right thing for guitar teachers to show? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, great. Let's discuss. Mostly just because I, I don't think that helps anybody do anything with the scale. So you can play it. So what now what? Like you can't take that fingering from a, an open C major scale and put it anywhere else on the fretboard. Yeah. I make a music. Yeah. And in the past I would have said, for instance, your a minor pentatonic scale, which would be, that would be your five, eight, five, seven, five, seven, five, seven, five, eight, five, eight, going from six string to first string. You've played that before, John. Oh yeah. Woo. Uh, <laughs> expert so but most people most people will have played that at some point but the cool thing about that particular shape is one it's super easy to memorize two mm -hmm. it doesn't have it doesn't have a bunch of weird fingers that you have to put in there uh, and really make you work your second and your fourth finger together or anything like that and it's mm -hmm. movable so what's great about the guitar is now that I have that that fingering memorized I can put it anywhere on the fretboard and play in any one of the 12 keys Mm -hmm. and make it work and so i think there's a real advantage to showing someone these minor pentatonic shapes and starting with those because there's a pattern there that recycles for each one of those i'm a big proponent for major scales of the cage system and then yep. from the cage system which is essentially five shapes that move you up the fretboard in one key and then from there you're able to build build that out change change keys because each shape is movable but it all stays in that same order so i yeah. feel like that's that's really one of the things that can be super helpful when you're trying to navigate the fretboard learn where those are learn those five shapes and learn how to move them that gets you really far down the road and then after yeah. that start working on how do you connect them and for me that's where your three note per string shapes come in because okay your three note per string shapes that a lot of times classical students get shown those really early on. There's still a few proponents of that out there, but it doesn't take care of the whole fretboard. So if you're looking at like a G major scale, you're essentially able to use the third threat, third fret through the eighth fret, but then you're left with a bunch of real estate that you don't know what to do with yeah. those three note per string shapes. So I think those are great for connecting things. I think those are great for building on top of that cage system. So since we, since we learn in chunks, that's how humans learn. We just don't take all this information at once and absorb it yeah. immediately unless you're yeah. Jim Quick. So, but Ooh, yeah. That's uh, a good podcast. Yeah, Ed, you, you should check out Jim Quick. Plug for Jim Quick. Yeah. We should have him on the show sometime. <laughs> he should. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be <laughs> what can we contribute to his podcast? Pentatonics. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so those, those five shapes allow you to chunk up the fretboard and actually make learning all 12 keys really manageable. Cool. So when it comes to like learning scales, so you, you recommend the first thing. I know I've recently gone back to the cage system as like a, a kind of a personal study of like how I can use it in a musical sense when it comes to improvisation. And you know, I think it's, it's so great. And since, you know, I've gone back to lessons and I'm just being told, yeah, just, you know, you're playing over chords, you know, simple, this is like how you lay it out. And it's really, like I forgot how just focusing on that for a little bit every day, like really improves your playing. 
Um, but when it comes to like saying, okay, we're, we're not going to touch modes, but in terms of like major and minor scales, say for example, like uh, I think Jens Larsen was talking the other day about the learning, the, you know, the three scales you need to know. One of them was the harmon harmonic minor. Um, now when it comes to like melodic minor and harmonic minor, I personally wouldn't know the difference. But uh, would you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but because it's quite uh, classical based, though, right? Uh, yeah, it is, and it does come up a fair bit in jazz, particularly like your melodic minor. Your altered scale is based off of one of the modes of a melodic minor scale. So, it's if if you're just starting out, I <laughs> I hesitate to disagree with Jens because. Uh, the caliber of players. Well, he's playing. Like he he's is. teaching jazz to quite a high standard. Yeah, exactly. So once you get there, absolutely, I think it's something worth knowing. But the difference being, so a natural minor, for example, uh, major scale. I'll go ahead and play it. Right. So you've got. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and you're back to one. So the difference mm -hmm. then being, your natural minor, you're going to have. One, two, flat three, four, five, flat six, flat seven, one. Now that's the same, in this case, I played a G minor scale. It's the same thing, exactly the same notes as a B flat major scale. So yes. okay. when, when you're learning your minor scales, it's just, let's not go too far down the rabbit hole, but it's a mode of your major scale. You start yeah. on the sixth note. You start on the sixth note of your major scale, and that is your relative minor. So, for example, yeah. if you're into Metallica, <laughs> sorry, if you're it's okay if you are. <laughs> we forgive you. Obligatory laugh. <laughs> Kirk Hammett does a lot of stuff in E minor. Well, that E, a lot of the stuff he does in E minor is actually just a G major scale. And yeah. so if you know your G major shapes up and down the fretboard, it's really easy to figure out what he's doing. Uh, the other one being B minor is a pretty common one for him as well. Yeah. So you'll see both of those. But so that's, that's the natural minor. Now the harmonic minor has a raised seventh degree. So it would be one, two, flat three, four, five, flat six, natural seven. I feel like so every time you somebody plays that scaling, Ve Mouse team gets a boner. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. So that's that's the big thing. So if you're looking for something that's really metal sounding, it's it's gonna be that. Yeah. yeah. Are we in yeah. Morocco? It yeah. feels like yeah. <laughs> so spicy. That harmonic minor is a pretty common one for metal stuff. Cool. Now your melodic minor. This is, there's a classical definition, and then there's also the, let's call it the more jazz definition or the guitar player definition. Classical definition is that ascending, you're going to have one, two, flat three, four, five, six, seven, one. So the only thing that's different there is your flat three. But then descending, you've got your flat seven, flat six, five, four, flat three, two, one. Very nice. Okay. So that's the, um, you can you can hear a little bit of a difference there. But typically speaking, what you end up with is the 
that's that's usually how a lot of jazz players will interpret the melodic minor scale. So you have a natural six and a natural seven in the scale. Very nice. Cool. I'm trying to think of anything else. Do you, what are the common, most common questions? Because we might maybe finish up on this, but we definitely can come back to it. I, I really dig this uh, start of segment. What are the most common questions or maybe the most common obstacles when it comes to teaching, um, just basically teaching scales? Well, I think when I'm teaching, when I'm teaching scales, the first thing that typically I try to do is I just get, try to get the students to memorize the finger positions. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is kind of a roundabout way to answer your question, but then being able to see how those positions interlink up the fretboard. That's one of the hardest things I think for most people to get. So okay. if you're looking at those cage shapes and let's say in the key of G, that first shape is going to be that E shape. And then the next one would be a D shape, C shape, et cetera, up the fretboard. Um, what happens though is for people to be able to see that whole thing shift and then see, see it say in A and recognize that those shapes just kind of loop around and come back to the back end of the fretboard. So it's a little confusing, but essentially trying to imagine if I were playing in the key of B, if you think that E shape is all, all the way starting up on that seventh fret. So that's okay. Uh, yeah. So, but if I'm starting there, I have all this other real estate behind the seventh fret that I have to figure out how to use. So what can I play starting on the B second fret fifth string? There's the A shape that goes with that. And then the G shape as well. I've got, uh, if you go to our website, silversoundguitar.com. Get that plug in. Yeah, exactly. Right. So <laughs> we've got a bunch of, YouTube videos, um, and then there's stuff on the website too, just about. Oh yeah, and I, I kind of talked beautifully system a little bit. I haven't mm. done a video. Maybe I, maybe this is something I need to do. I haven't done a video on connecting those shapes all the way up the fretboard. I'd, I I'd personally love to see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next thing is to be able to see to to get out of those boxes. And same thing mm. with pentatonic scales. So you learn your five pentatonic shapes but how do you get out of those boxes? How can you start seeing things? And so what I really challenge the students to do is find, be able to play the notes of the scale on one string. So if it's, even if it's cool. the key of G, but I'm starting on the fourth string, I'm starting on an E on the second fret, and then I have F sharp on the fourth fret, and then G on the fifth. And then from there I can play the A on the fourth string, the B, the C, D, and then all the way up the fretboard. So, even though I'm starting on an E, I'm still playing all the notes on that one string. Yeah, cool. Um, great, Savage, I think that's enough. I think that, let's keep that as the chunk that students can learn from. <laughs> and I feel like I've just saved some money from getting a free lesson from John Gillen, so. Um, we're all winning. I, I, uh, you are anyway. Checks I I in the mail. Off. Oh, you man. did. Uh, better luck next time, sucker. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, John, <laughs> we've been we've been talking about working on stuff, and what what have you been working on? What have I been working on? Um, dude, you totally caught me out on this one. <laughs> did I? Well, should I go first then? <laughs> um, no, it's fine. Actually, what I've spent a lot of time working on. I mentioned last week. There's there's actually two things this week. So I've spent a fair bit of time. Still working on that Polyphia song because even though they're Polyphia, they're pretty much ridiculous. So 
um, it would, the song was called Champagne. I've got a couple of students working on it. Just trying to stay ahead of them really is kind of the key. <laughs> That's actually the secret to teaching for anybody who's thinking about getting into teaching. Just stay away. Stay one. Yeah. <laughs> the Marge Simpson quote, I think, when she's like saying the house is, they're going to lose the house. And she's like, I'll give, make money teaching piano. But you don't teach piano. I just need to stay one less in my head. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So um, I've been working on that, mostly just trying to, trying to keep those, keep the chops up, keep the speed up. There's some good challenges in there. And the other thing, though, too, is really coming back to some ear training, just listening to, to different intervals on the guitar. I think it's important when you're training your ear and to be able to hear those things first in your head and to be able to reproduce it on the guitar and then also just yeah. be able to sing it. And I think those are, those are two things that aren't encouraged enough in guitar lessons because a lot of times yeah, it's the mechanics, but you need to be able to hear it too. So. I really like that. No, that that's solid, very solid. Polyphia and, in your training. Yeah, and what about you? So now you you you, you went back to lessons. I went back to lessons, and I do love my lesson. I think that every week for a lesson is quite. Um, I think it's quite, it's a lot uh, in terms of like when you have so much other stuff to do, but I do really enjoy it and it does kind of force me to sit down. But this week I've been, you know, I'm releasing new music next week and I've got, you know, I now have a gig to release it and I'm just kind of getting myself back in the swing. I kind of took a break a little bit from the guitar and we've talked about that before. And I think it feels, you know, it, I, there was some guilt at the same time when I you know, went to the last three days there picking one up, but um, for the 40 minutes or so before I... guilt is the real thing. <laughs> that, that's it. It really is. Um, for the 40 or so minutes before this, I was like, what am I going to work on? So I just took on that Udemy course um, that I have, the Chris Super one. And mm. uh, yeah, just picked a few exercises about that he had has this great one on um getting your damn pinky straight for uh legato stuff so i just picked some exercises out of that and stuck on a youtube video in the background and i know we talk about focus playing but i was just really wanted to just play something and not feel any guilt so that mostly and uh going back to a lesson is cool man i really enjoy the perspective on just even going back to rehashing the basics of stuff you think you understand but would like some more insight on like the cage system for example uh which has been great to go back to and get more mm. uh, smoothing smoothing out the, the the smoothing over the cracks i suppose uh, uh in my knowledge so that's been really cool and yeah i just i think now also i'm like i wrote a song in a week which was a big thing for me last week so that was a kind of a thing um with um some kind of weird chords that i picked i was like you know based over it like i used a lot of like sixth chords because i had learned the shape and i wanted to put it in a song and ended up writing a full song so that was cool um but yeah into you'll turn into john mayer there oh god is that it is that what his thing is is that how he gets that john mayer sound the sixth yeah that that that, the sixth is a big deal in a lot of his stuff so oh his secret and now you know and, and you'll get all, all the girls too just just that's, you know. that's it uh, <laughs> so very good so john dare i say you have not been listening to that much polyphia no no not this week not this week i spent i spent more time previous uh episode where we were talking about that where i actually had but i came across ben levin so ben levin did a guest spot on adam neely's youtube channel yes and yes dr ben yeah super smart dude he's got his own youtube channel check him out i hadn't actually heard of him so i thought i'd look into it he has a band called bent knee and also a solo album out that is worth checking out it's 
a little cerebral. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and definitely <laughs> has sort of echoes of Frank Zappa to it. Quality musicianship. And there's, there's, there actually really is good songwriting in there too. It's not off the wall for the sake of being off the wall. It's well thought out, well planned, but it is challenging. So I will say that it's, it's been a good listen. I've enjoyed it. I don't think necessarily everybody would, but if you need to expand your musical horizons, get some different ideas, mind something that's just like, Hey, that's kind of a cool sound. He has a tendency some in Bentney to use some crazy effects kind of bordering on noise rock type stuff. Okay. But, um, it's also really interesting. It's so it's kind of a blend of post rock and Frank Zappa and a little bit of Steve Vai in there. And <laughs> it's, it's oh pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, to be honest, like from seeing his um, exuberant personality in his videos, which I do very much enjoy, um, that's not that surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think I may have mentioned him in an episode before where he has videos on uh, mastering arpeggios in like 20 minutes a day or something like that. Uh, okay. Basically, he gives you building blocks of how to use it. Really, really cool way of um, learning the different arpeggio shapes. That's where I'd start with him. Um, cool. So yeah, that's 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 a nice mix. Um, for myself, I am I'm always looking for instrumental music to kind of play in the background and work when I'm like doing emails and live channels and stuff. So I don't know how I found. Well, first of all, I discovered Hot Rats by Frank Zappa. Um, is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> my God, it's so. Cr- I I I had no idea. Like I, I knew so many of the songs already, but I was like, "That's a Frank Zappa song." Um, yeah, that's. I've that's been crazy. digging that. Um, really really good and then I have discovered now I've listened to this album more more in the last two weeks than I've listened to any other album this year really it's this Japanese piano player stay with me um, named Ryu Fuki and basically it's like a 40 minute album and he basically recorded it when he was 28 after learning piano when he was 22 he had I'm, I'm sorry what he's okay it's like it's a jazz trio album it's kind of like old you know sort of yeah kind of not ragtime but not too far away kind of very early tom Waits sort of style uh you know classic dark dark room smoky brushes on the drums uh piano but like the chops are off the chain which, which album have you been listening to oh yeah so it's called i think it's called seasons 1976 and yeah, scenery nineteen seventy, and I highly recommend it. Like, I am not a jazz head, but it is just the most relaxing thing. It's not on Spotify, but it is on YouTube. The full album, all of his albums are on YouTube, and you can just see in the comments. There's so many jazz snobs just going, "Oh, thank God, this album is finally available to listen to for free." Uh, so, because I think before then it was just vinyl. I highly recommend checking that out. Wow, just cool. considering he is in six years worth of practicing what you can do. <laughs> it's focus, insane. people, focus. Yeah, you know, screw getting laid. Um, so, I yeah, I really am enjoying uh, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, just kind of instrumental and uh, instrumental stuff. And I'm also just kind of just figuring, looking for some background noise and that kind of uh, is a beautiful Venn diagram of that. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Um, but what have we got coming up, John? We've got an interview with Corey from Vasudeva. 
Yeah, and we've got uh, another interview from Yvette Young. Um, oh, friend yeah. of the show, Yvette Young. Yeah, Class. yeah. So we got uh, got to interview her when she came through Denver, and that's where we also met Corey from Vasudeva. So we've got both of them coming up um, down okay. down the road. More news things that we should talk about. I don't know. There's, there's lots yeah. of if, friends. If you guys have anything that's just uh, that you need to get off your chest and be like this guitar thing is infuriating <laughs> then let's go ahead and throw it in a comment somewhere we love a good about. rant yeah we do we we, yeah. we all about that <laughs> uh, until we start our greta van fleet our fine but if you like them you're wrong podcast <laughs> um, it's coming it, it is there, yeah there's a little prep that we have to do for that but we'll, we'll have it to you sooner or later <laughs> episode episode one put away the scarves um oh my so, gosh and put on uh, some pants for craig on, i know right yeah anyway um blankets are not pants people come on. <laughs> uh, john let us let us cut it short at that um have a good have a good week friends we'll see you very soon and as always stay sharp sure it's